Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of December 14th, 2021, and officially episode number 496, and this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com. So, <clears throat> I almost said December 7th, uh, because uh, this is a show I had all lined up for last week. And uh, one of the beautiful things about live radio, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, we had uh, some, some difficulties, so we were not able to bring you the show last week, but that's okay. I, uh, I'm here. We're here this week, and uh, man, I can't believe it's, it's uh, 2021 has just disappeared. I don't know where it went. Uh, still got leaves on the ground at home. I still got... Uh, Finally got my Christmas lights up today, and it's uh, only what over a week left to Christmas. Something crazy like that. Wow. Anyway, it's disappearing fast, uh, but the show moves on. And uh, so this week we're going to cover a, uh, most of the news is from last week. Uh, luckily, I do have some updates that happened during the week to some of these stories, and uh, we'll move forward and we'll talk about the fact that. Since we are running out of the year, only two weeks left, I'm starting to see a lot of countdown uh, stuff pop up here and there. Those are the kind of stories I love to talk about right here at the end of the year. And of course, we have our own countdown that we do here on the show each and every year, We've been doing it since 2010. It's a long time. Our, uh, yeah, I think, what, 12 years? This will be this year, the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2021 coming soon. Uh, stuff uh, actually coming next week. We're going to start it. I don't know how many I'm going to do. I might do two stories. I might do four stories. Down. Heck, I might do all 10. I don't know. We'll see next week. That's going to be your Christmas present. So, yeah, we'll start right before Christmas, and then we'll wind it up. Uh, more than likely, we'll finish it on the 28th, the last show of the year. I mean, if I have to push it into the new year, so be it. But uh, I'd rather get it all wrapped up and put a bow on it before New Year's. That way we can start fresh and uh, clean. Because I tell you, it's, it seems like the last few years we've started right out of the gate with news. Uh, some big stories broke, uh, usually right at the end of December, beginning of January. So... I don't like to mess around too long. Yeah, it's, this is kind of like downtime. You know, you have Halloween, uh, which is a very special time of the year for the paranormal, everybody involved in it. Uh, it's, it's kind of like, you know, your Easter, July 4th, uh, Memorial Day, all wrapped into one. And then, of course, uh, this time of the year is just really, it's just, I don't know, it just kind of uh, slows down. And... Uh, that uh, gives us time to kind of wrap up the year and to look back. You'd be amazed when I start covering the, the top 10. And actually, it's, it's funny that I, I see this in the chat room, about 20, top 20. Uh, actually, normally, 
we'll go through and I'll go through each of my uh, my notes for each show, my show notes, and I'll start plucking stories out and I'll take the kind of the headline. And some of these stories will pop up during the year as well. Others, the one shot deal, it might last a week, two weeks, uh, what have it. And then uh, so I'll take those headlines and I'll, I'll kind of mentally rank them as the year goes on. But uh, you, you get a clearer picture at the end of the year. And you step back and look. And sometimes uh, I've had as many as 60 stories in a year. It sounds like a lot. Uh, but uh, just every week has something really, really good involved in it. Uh, whereas this year, I ended up only with 20. But uh, 20 stories. And uh, I mean, there was, there was a lot more that I didn't include. There's probably a good 30 or 40 I could have easily uh, put in there. But... Yeah, I just decided on 20 this year, and so uh, any one of those 20 could have made the top 10. And there's a few that I really want to be in the top 10, but it's uh, to me, it's you know, I have to be objective about it. So it, it kind of made it rough. So I probably could do a top 20 if I wanted to. Well, it's not a bad idea, uh, but I just like to keep it clean and simple with 10. But we will talk about all 20 of those stories starting next week. So you'll hear what didn't make it before what did make it. And uh, I did uh, decide this year, since last year, uh, COVID-19 shut down the world pretty much uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. That had to be the number one story. But uh, this year, I think the paranormal kind of righted itself. Um, shame on them for not doing more remote things, uh, doing things with um, – you know, online things to do these conferences, conventions. Uh, there was still plenty of them. There was a lot of cancellations, but not a whole lot. So I, I didn't feel like you know, we're kind of, you know, like it says in chat, the new normal. It is the new normal. It's uh, what we're dealing with uh, everywhere. And I don't think it really affected the paranormal as much as it did the year prior. So I really opted to keep that out of everything. Uh, so COVID-19 will not make the uh, top 10 list of 2021. Just kind of decided, let's focus on the paranormal stuff. They don't think it crippled it as much as it did the year before. There's still a lot of cancellations. And, uh, yeah, unless you paid for an event, then it did affect you. But I've been warning you. If you guys listen to the show, I've been telling you, be careful about getting tickets to these shows. Um, you know, uh, a good promoter, I think, would, would put on uh, something with, people being allowed to show up at the door if they wanted uh, at this point. To, but I know when I put on my conference, I, I did, uh, I cut off tickets early. So I knew how many people I was going to get for catering purposes. Uh, you know, I catered in uh, kind of like a box lunch deal. So I needed to know in advance to uh, not overspend. So I, I get it. It's, there's a lot of things going on with those events to uh, put one off good. But, uh, yeah, we could adapt to that, though. There's a lot of things that we could have done. There was a lot of events that were online. And that's really, uh, you know, that's how businesses have adjusted to this. Uh, you know, I used to work for uh, a training aspect for my company, and we relied on in-person, in, you know, uh, teaching and training hands-on right in front of you. And, you know, we had to adapt to that. 
as soon as COVID hit, we adapted to uh, to doing things all online and setting up cameras and, and doing it that way. It's not as effective, but it still gets everything across. I think you, you can't mix and mingle and hang out between uh, between uh, interviews and things like that. But you know, it's we have to adapt. We don't adapt. Uh, we get bored and watch Netflix all night long. So with that, again, next week we're going to start the countdown of the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2021. And I'll tell you, I went back and forth on a lot of these stories. Uh, the number one, two, and three are pretty much set. Uh, we're pretty much set uh, not too long ago. But uh, uh, there may even be some stuff tonight that may have had something to do with uh, moving stuff around. Uh, but I've put us, I put it in cement now. I don't think I'll change it. That I've actually in the past have right before showtime have gone in and moved a couple of stories around, but I don't think I'll do that this year. It's uh, pretty hard to do that. Uh, it's really hard to put the stuff together. And uh, sometimes I'll reach out to you guys, the listeners for, for instruction and help. I don't know what to do. That way I can blame it on you if nobody likes it. Uh, but it's all on me this year, and I'm looking forward to it. And I can't wait for the top uh, top 10. I almost said top 20. We'll see. And uh, we're quickly approaching the 500th show. So I've been thinking about doing a top 10 of the last 10, or I guess it would be 12. I wouldn't count this year. Because uh, it's too early to tell if anything that happened this year is going to stick. Or I've also been thinking about just talking about the top tens. I usually do this, uh, talk about the top tens of previous years, just so we can look at uh, you know some of the stories that hit the top ten. Uh, even number one stories ended up becoming nothing over time. And a lot of stories are just uh, were huge. And other stories you just probably don't even remember that were top stories years ago. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll think back on the years that were as we get a little closer to the end of this one. But for now, we're going to get into some cryptid news. I got a lot of cryptid news tonight. Uh, but uh, first up, a uh, subject we really haven't talked too much about this year. He's kind of Fallen into the cracks. I don't know how he fell into the cracks, but uh, we're going to le lead off with Bigfoot here in a second. But uh, one one more question here in chat. What was the best news year? Well, it's funny. You can go back all the way to 2008 when the show started. So that year uh, we had the reason why I launched the show basically was because of the ongoing saga of the Georgia Bigfoot hoax. And that year we also had, um, I think that was the year of the Chicago O'Hare incident. And well, I think that was also the year of the uh, Texas UFO event. So that was a huge year. Now we've had, it's, it's odd. You can go through these years of the top 10 countdowns and look, and some years were just horrible. Nothing really happened in other years. You have things uh, like the Jerusalem UFO event that was uh, a purported UFO sighting that showed up on video, and, and everyone was so skeptical about that. Uh, but then all of a sudden, another one showed up 
from a different angle and you started to ask yourself, well, wait a minute, this is usually how we grade these things. If you can get multiple, uh, multiple things from multiple angles, then well, wait a second. Then a third one popped up and that one kind of un, untied everything because the timing was off and everything was bad and the story kind of unraveled. And that was a, a mainstream news thing. Uh, so you may have those years where those big events come. And uh, we'll probably, I don't know if we'll have time, but we'll we'll definitely dive into the top tens of the last few years. And you'll see how some years are just huge. Some of these stories you, you'll definitely remember in other years. I struggled for a top one, number one or two or three story. But, um, I mean, fraud, there's been hoaxes every year. There's not a year that I haven't had a hoax in the top ten. And this year is no exception. There are hoaxes in the top ten pretty much every year. I'd have to go back, but I'm pretty sure something. Uh, years ago, we had a uh, – you might remember the uh, Baltic Sea UFO story. That story was, I think, number two. I don't think it made number one, uh, where a UFO was seen at the bottom of the uh, Baltic Sea. And it was in the shape of the Millennium Falcon. That was the big selling point of that. You know anything Star Wars related with a, a spaceship? Uh, anyway, this company that found it, it was in the news all year long. And ultimately, came to find out it was just uh, pretty much an elaborate hoax for them to get more money. And that was a really big hoax. Uh, so you'll have all kinds. UFOs, cryptid, and ghost hoaxes. And sometimes they, they go very viral because people... They want to believe, and that kind of really ties into uh, the story I'm about to get into. Hoax or not a hoax, and uh, this is the most debated topic when you're talking about hoaxes uh, in pretty much in all of paranormal. You know, so I mentioned Bigfoot, and a lot of times, and I kind of take it for granted when um, – you know, I use the word cryptozoology. To me, it just so used to saying it. Um, it's just a, an easy word for me, and I forget that not everybody knows what that means. Some people think it's like money that you trade online, I guess. But uh, so whenever I meet somebody and I tell them I'm into cryptozoology, I have to explain what that means, and I'll kind of give them a, a vague definition: searching for creatures that are basically hidden in nature. Uh, they might be. Uh, ones that are rumored to exist, uh, folklore, uh, superstitions, you know, whatever it is that's that just escapes uh, scientific explanation. Science doesn't support these things. Ones that uh, seemingly exist only in the minds of those who believe in them, or creatures that used to exist but are said to be extinct. And and people are kind of looking at me like I don't understand where you said. You know, give me an example. Um, so I'll just sit there and go, uh, oh, Bigfoot. Oh, Bigfoot. Then they understand. Oh, you, okay. Oh, that's what cryptozoology is. Looking for Bigfoot. Sure. And then usually uh, that opens the conversation about belief in said Bigfoot creature. Um, so, I mean, everybody knows Bigfoot one way or the other. If they've seen him on uh, TV, if they've seen it on, you know, messing with Sasquatch. Those commercials, I know there's a, it's a car dealership or a car 
company had a big foot on. You have these movies, Harry and the Hendersons and uh, other shows that they get their uh, familiarity with the creature. Or maybe they've actually read a story about this or been to a convention or, or whatever the case is. They know what Bigfoot is. And uh, generally people will ask me, do you believe in Bigfoot? And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that answer. And if they're in the knowledge of what Bigfoot is or different things about it, especially when i at a convention and we start talking about cryptozoology, the topic of the Patterson-Gimlin film always comes up. Uh, you know, and it's, do you believe in Bigfoot? And then five seconds later, what about the Patterson-Gimlin film? Well, if you believe in the Patterson-Gimlin film, then you believe in Bigfoot because it's they go together. You can't not believe in the Patterson-Gimlin film but still believe in Bigfoot because if, if it's real, well, then it's there. Um, and again, it's the most debated piece of data that exists in all of paranormal. Uh, there's nothing that's uh, uh, even close. Uh, I mean you have uh, – gosh, what was that one picture in the – uh, the 1900s in the, the ghost field in the UK, the, the one of the ghosts coming down the stairs. That's pretty debatable. Um, uh, Raynham Hall? Yeah, Raynham Hall. That ghost, that picture is uh, highly debatable, but it's just a picture. Here we have a video, a 53-second jittery film shot 54 years ago. In late October of 1967, it's it's defined the belief in Bigfoot. Now that's it's the pinnacle. There's really not anything else that people talk about other than this thing. So yeah, if you believe the film is real, there's obviously no question you believe in the existence of Bigfoot. It's all or nothing, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, if it's a person in the suit or the real deal of a creature strutting along there in Bluff Creek in Northern California. Granted, this year we've also had the TV show. On uh, what was that Netflix? Bigfoot. Boy, do they dupe us on that thing. Um, thinking it was about Bigfoot. It's about people growing pot in the woods. Uh, them trying to say that uh, Bigfoot is just a term to keep people out of the woods. Well, I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that at all. Um, so on the July 13th show of this year, I don't remember the number. Uh, I had a story where Richter Riolo, who was a cast member of Spike TV's $10 million Bigfoot bounty, posted online that claims that Bob Gimlin essentially confessed that the video is fake and that upon the death of the um, – right now he's 90. So upon the death of Bob Gimlin, who's 90 years old, uh, as well as his wife – once she passes and once she passes, this video will be released to the public to expose, <clears throat> ex expose the hoax once and for all. That's it. So I guess they're trying to be nice there to wait until he uh, passes away before they ruin his legacy. Now, Bob Gimlin denies this, and the drama behind this continues. Uh, to me, I, I think it continues to help solidify the mystery behind the old film. I mean, uh, whenever you have people questioning it or trying to tear it down, you have a whole other pe bunch of people that uh, start to look at it again and wonder. And I think it actually brings more people to believe in it than to, to not believe it. 
And I really think there's a lot of people that are jealous that uh, for 54 years, Bob Gimlin's pretty much been uh, the name. You know, Roger Patterson passed away a long time ago and uh, leaves Gimlin by himself. So I think a lot of people are trying to uh, tear him down for that. You know, they're jealous of that popularity and, and what work, the simple work he did without even doing any work, really. just kind of happened. And, you know, he kind of stayed out of the spotlight for a long time. And then you know, now, um, I, don't, I don't know if he tours anymore. I think he stays pretty close to home now. But uh, he used to come out here to Ohio every year. And, you know, he's been on the circuit for quite a while. And that makes some people wonder, you know, if there was something behind it. But, you know, he maintains the same story. And that's hard to do if if it's not true, especially for so long. If there is any ounce of doubt, uh, we would have heard something by now, definitely. Uh, so there's a television show called The Proof is Out There. I've seen a, a few episodes, and it's uh, two seasons. Well, I think they're in the middle of a second season. It's, it's an okay show. It's a little annoying. Um, but they usually cover all sorts of stuff, uh, paranormal topics, as well as some viral subjects that are floating on the Internet. And they look at uh, video evidence of UFOs, cryptids, ghosts, and a lot of other strange phenomena. And they use uh, different people with varying backgrounds. And they'll help determine the validity of these uh, pieces of data. Um, kind of like with a really vague grading scale. I wish they were more specific with their determinations of these things. And a lot of them, uh, you know, I've already talked about here on the show. They've, they've already been disseminated. They've already been proven fake. Um, and sometimes they don't get all the, the data, which really irritates me. Uh, you know, there's videos or there's stories that are readily available on the Internet that have proven these things to be fake. And yet they kind of dance around it for 45 minutes and they don't even bring all the information to the table. So it's, it's kind of a, it's really annoying in that in that part of them I'm standing there yelling at the TV like, hey, what about this guy who did this? And, you know, what about that piece of, of information? So I don't watch it anymore. Uh, except for this last one, uh, or the one before last, I guess. Um, I, you know, the show really hasn't done anything groundbreaking. You know, just kind of mopping up the mess that uh, was uh, all these little really incidental things, these videos that have uh, proved pretty popular at the time. But, you know, how people are. You know, once uh, once a video is... Everyone's seen it. Nobody wants to see it anymore. We move on to the next viral topic. Uh, very short attention span in the 21st century for most people. Uh, they get bored very quickly. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of young people, and they don't even read the news. They don't even care about the news because it changes so fast. And that's confusing to me because I always listened to the news growing up. But then again, you know, I grew up at a time before 24-hour uh, news cycles. You had to wait till the morning to hear the news. You know, if you're uh, you went to bed and you missed the baseball game, you couldn't just flip on a phone and look to see who won. You'd have to wait till the morning, either get your newspaper. Sometimes the newspaper didn't even have the score updated. Um, I don't know. Just I think it's the inundation of information that people can't keep up with things. But uh, anyway, back to the show. Um, the uh, December third airing I was the thirteenth episode of season two here of the uh, proof is out there so this episode is titled bigfoot revealed 
and I, I saw it pop up, and I thought, eh, you know, it's probably just a couple of really cruddy videos. Uh, but then all of a sudden, it uh, hit the paranormal news like a freight train, and it started to uh, become very, very interesting. And then rumors started circulating that they're going to validate the Patterson-Gimlin film. And I thought, wait a minute, I gotta, I definitely got to watch this. So, so it takes a new look at the old film, brings in a variety of people uh, to give their opinion on pieces of it that uh, have been the most controversial. Uh, they explain that many have based their opinion on the film, and the film initially uh, was filmed on horseback by Roger Patterson, who jumped off and chased after the creature, which is now known as Patty, a female Bigfoot, uh, to get a closer look. And of course, you know we've, we're all familiar. We've, we've all seen that uh, early video, most of us anyway, who have been around for a while. Uh, so the video is very jumpy. It's moving all over the place. And of course, it's very grainy. And uh, you know this is burned into my mind as a kid watching uh, In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. You know, they show part of that at the beginning. And I uh, think you know, that's all I've seen. Uh, so I'm so used to it, even though well, over the course of the last couple of years, we've seen it uh, we've seen it stabilized. Uh, we've seen it turned into 4K. But w what we don't realize is that uh, what we're looking at is not the original film. The original film is missing and presumed gone. It's probably destroyed. And there does exist 22 other copies that are of basically varying quality. So uh, engineer and computer scientist Isaac Tykean. Uh, helped splice together the 22 films that exist, and he used artificial intelligence to create the best video uh, based on the algorithms created to help integrate all of these frames together. So what we're looking at is pretty much the best that we can get from the existing 22 films, uh, each frame uh, put together in a way that it's it's the best of each of the each frame from each 22 films, uh, as well as stabilize it to help create the clearest view of the film ever. This is best as it's ever probably going to get uh, for a while. I'm sure eventually somebody will, will do something. We'll have new technology, but but the longer we go, you know, this film is going to continue to degrade, and as technology moves forward, uh, it may not actually make this any better. This may be the best it's going to get now, as. Uh, Computer technology continues to move forward. Things continue to change. Uh, so, yeah, we've seen it recently changed, stabilized. Uh, but this view, I tell you, I didn't think it was going to be any different. Um, I didn't see the show live. I, I watched it the next day uh, online. And I tell you, I was actually blown away. I could not believe how different the video was. It's kind of like when you see the... Um, colorized video of the thylacine so that's another video we're so used to seeing a certain way and when it's changed it's colorized i'll tell you it's so different but uh, i didn't expect much from the patterson gimlin film after these guys got done with it or isaac uh, got done with it but i'll tell you it's you can tell it's it's much better than what we've seen uh the show itself if you've not seen the episode it does a pretty good job of uh, balancing the topic by mentioning the fact that there's there's still heavy doubt about the validity of the video, along with the stories of people coming forward stating it was fake. 
with the person in the costume. Uh, they also integrate uh, other more convincing or ambiguous videos of purported Bigfoot videos, uh, which helps solidify the precedence that the Patterson-Gimlin film brings, uh, as well as showing the clearest and most unobscured look at the creature ever. Uh, some of the videos are, are really bad. Uh, they do have the uh, the Yowie one from, of course, from Australia, which shows uh, an infrared look at purported Yowie. Granted, that that one you you can't tell because it could be a person or persons. Um, that one's highly doubted, but you know it's it's interesting to compare other videos to what we're seeing in the Patterson Gimlin film. Uh, and but when they started really analyzing this. Uh, the film, I tell you again, it's it's different than what you've seen. It's the same video, it's the same fifty-three second strut, uh, but there's there's just some details that just pop out. So, um, in one footstep, we can now see detail of the right foot flexing in the middle of the foot and the toes curling backward as Patty takes a step. Now, you kind of could kind of see that. But you weren't sure what you were looking at. And I tell you, now you can really tell. Uh, that's kind of settled some of that debate. So if this were a costume, it would more than likely be built around a shoe, which is typically what you're doing. If you're walking along the stream, stream bed, you're not going to be walking in socks under a suit. It would not be very easy to do that. And uh, it would be pretty much impossible to bend your toes backwards in a shoe or a boot. Uh, to pull that off, and you know you wouldn't expect to have to have that sort of detail back then, uh, knowing it's far away and the technology that's available. Uh, they also show how the skull seems to match the anatomy of Lucy, and I thought that was interesting. You brought that up, and I knew right away that the video preceded the discovery of Lucy. I remember I have the National Geographic magazines that showed. All that stuff about Lucy and talking about it. and um, Lucy, of course, is the best example so far of the Australia Pithecus, and, uh, which is an ancient hominin that's said to potentially be the ancestor of Bigfoot. It's one of the uh, top, I guess, top five explanations, probably more than the interdimensional creature that some people think it is, uh, as well as the variety of creatures around the world, such as the Yowie of Australia that I that I mentioned, the Yeti of the Himalayas, if they turn out to be or are real creatures at all. Uh, in the video, according to uh, Cliff Berrickman, who shows point for point the detail of Lucy's head, the interesting thing, again, here is that the discovery of Lucy occurs seven years after the Patterson-Gimlin film was made, so it was unlikely anyone could have created the creature to fool anybody. There would be no need. They had no knowledge of how the shape was and uh you're still kind of looking at grainy you, you really can't pick out detail in the skull you're just looking at shapes and shadows at this point but it, it was pretty convincing to see the the side by side but you got to be careful with that because it's i don't want to say purely subjective but it's pretty darn close uh, they also analyzed the back of the head the way the shoulders attached to or the way the uh, muscles are attached to the back of the head and uh, we also look at the, uh, of course, the uh, buttocks of the creature, which is not really something that we've really been able to do, and that's another debatable thing, a uh, highly debated thing. And now we get a better look at the rear end of uh, Patty. Uh, in the end, 
while most of the cast are true believers in Bigfoot. And that was my one thing that I didn't like about this episode is everybody on that panel pretty much had a belief in Bigfoot. And that, that doesn't really help, to me, doesn't help the argument when everybody already believes in the creature's existence. Uh, they did have one skeptic uh, that was there that uh, he seemed to be a little bit more convinced. Uh, he seemed like he just, uh, all my arguments are mute at this point. I, I had concerns, but now I'm not sure. And that's pretty cool to see that. Uh, but I think their panel could have been people that were a little bit more uh, diverse. I mean, you did have uh, uh, Isaac there, but it didn't really help. It was very unbalanced, I think. But um, the final judgment of the video, according to host uh, Tony Lewis, and I uh, put this picture last week as we uh, ended up not having a show. So I did put this picture on the official Facebook um, uh, Facebook home of the Paranormal News Insider. At, uh, it's basically Paranews Insider. There it is. The verdict is might be real. And again, I, I don't like their grading scale. It's just really wacky. Uh, might be, could be, should be, might be, I don't know. Uh, but it was uh, pretty cool that they came to a verdict that it might be real. So it's actually a pretty good episode. Again, a few things I didn't like. Uh, they did kind of not talk about some stuff, uh, but they did attack some of the bigger things about it, uh, about this video, but they did... Uh, you know, the, it was nice to kind of like take a breather and go to these other videos for a second and kind of compare them to other things that uh, other people are seeing. But uh, I don't know. It's uh, to me, it's I'm, I've always been right in the middle of the road of this. I'm not sure what to believe. You know, I, I know there is uh, pretty argued, heavily argued evidence on both sides of the scale on this. But I'll tell you that this uh, really cleaning it up and looking at this pretty close. Brings me a little bit more to the uh, might be real side. I do agree with uh, the uh, the synopsis and, and Tony Harris's uh, judgment on this. It does bring bring me to uh, might be real a little bit more. So if you want to see this, the entire episode is available to stream for free on history.com. I don't know how for for much longer, but uh, I, I urge you, uh, whether you believe in this or not, whether you're on the fence uh, about the Patterson Gimlet film. Whether you've seen up seen the uh, cleaned up versions, the uh, stabilized videos, you're not going to believe what you see. This is pretty uh, pretty interesting. I know there's some stories that show still photos, but it's pretty cool to see the actual video in in motion. So I highly urge you to go to history.com and check out this uh, December third episode of the show. It's um, I don't know. It's it's uh, I don't want to say convincing. Purely convincing, but it, uh, the proof is out there. Is, uh, this is probably the best episode I've ever seen. By far. Anyway, uh, continuing on with Bigfoot and films of purported Bigfoot, uh, we go to the state of Georgia. I'm always hesitant to talk about Georgia and Bigfoot videos uh, since 2008, but uh, this is uh, was a uh, pretty big, probably the Biggest uh, video story I've seen about Bigfoot in quite a while uh, online. 
And uh, normally it's the kind that I would just sidestep. Uh, but again, it was uh, it was everywhere for some weird reason. And I think uh, the TV show kind of helped carry this because people wanted to have news of Bigfoot. It was perfect timing that this came out uh, around the time that the proof was out there was on TV because it was a uh, pretty big, uh, kind of a big story in and of itself about this uh, video being shown and being detailed once again. Uh, so just like any video, the belief is split between those who believe in it and those who believe it's a hoax. It's, it's pretty much how it is. Uh, documentary filmmaker Seth Breedlove, he says, quote, The subject seems to be very large, but the movement possibly gives away the potential for some trickery. The subject seems to be looking down at the ground as it turns, indicating it might be a person in a suit who's having some difficulty judging the forest floor beneath them. It makes me think... This is more than likely a hoax, unquote, uh, which is weird because that quote, um, I've seen they've used this quote in for both sides of the argument. I've seen some stories that say um, experts says Bigfoot is Bigfoot video is hoax, and I've seen others they say that uh, that the documentary filmmaker believes that it's real. But uh, either way, it's good timing for Seth Breedlove, who is uh, currently is his latest segment of the On the Trail of Bigfoot series is available on Amazon Video. It's got a whole bunch of them out. And uh, Seth, I, I think Seth Breedlove is probably the best documentary filmmaker on the uh, pretty much the paranormal, let alone cryptozoology out there right now. So if you've not seen any of Seth Breedlove's stuff, you're you're really really missing out. He's a great guy, kind of a quiet guy, but uh, man, he lets his uh, filmmaking speak for him. Tell you some great stuff. Uh, let's see more stuff here in cryptozoology. We've got uh, we go from Bigfoot to a big teeth or big head, I guess. Uh, an alligator. If you talked about alligators for the last couple of years, it seems like it's become uh, a huge trend. And we don't really necessarily think about big, uh, big uh, alligator stories this time of year, uh, other than Florida or the warmer states. But generally, I don't talk about those stories. I talk about ones where big, I don't want to say Bigfoot, that these uh, big alligators are found outside of that nor normal region. That's why they're basically in cryptozoology here. But uh, generally, they're not that big. Three foot, four foot. Pretty much all we're seeing. Uh, we did have a uh, six-foot crocodile a couple of years ago here in Ohio that was seen in the middle of summer. But we don't talk about them this time of the year, December. And one of these states, I swear, there's we're going on 10 or 12 now in the last three years. Uh, Pennsylvania. A uh, three-foot-long alligator was rescued from the Lehigh River in an area just north of Allentown. Pennsylvania. You might remember that song, Billy Joel singing about that. Uh, it's about an hour and a half north of uh, Philadelphia. And uh, Logan Bauer was fishing in the area with his dad when he learned there was an alligator in the river. Um, I've I've heard people talk about this when I'm kayaking. They're, well, look out, there's an alligator in the water. I've never seen it. And sometimes I think people are get fooled. Um, so he initially did not believe his dad at all. 
But when he realized it was real and it was alive, he reached out to authorities in order to help save it. Uh, Christina Obrecht, the owner of Christina's Reptile and Animal Sanctuary, responded to the scene to help rescue these small alligators. She said of the rescue, quote, he was stuck down there fairly deep and I couldn't reach him. He was in too deep and I can't swim, so I didn't want to wait. So I put a stick behind his back to get him to uh, just to come up a little bit and I was able to catch him pretty easily, unquote. Uh, she added, uh, quote, we knew he would uh, be very inactive, especially because alligators can withstand colder temperatures. However, once it gets too cold, it becomes severely inactive. So we knew that he wouldn't act completely wild, unquote. So, yeah, when it gets too cold, uh, they, the colder it gets, the more they slow down. And they'll eventually just die because they don't, they don't feed themselves. They don't eat. And they, uh, they'll die pretty quickly in cold water if they don't. Uh, they don't um, feed. Um, so he's saved. But it's pretty rare to see an alligator like this still alive in the Northeast. And I'll tell you, there's, uh, we had, uh, was it two years ago, we had one in on Halloween. I think it was in Detroit where it was dead, found in a, in a dumpster. Um, they don't do well. Once it gets cold, they can survive for a while. But especially these little guys, four-foot it's tend to we tend to see the three and four foot ones tossed out because the owners just can't take care of them anymore. Uh, it's not like they're you know, wandering from some swamp in North Carolina or you know southeast Tennessee all the way up through uh, to Pennsylvania. These are dumped. These are ones that people buy, and they realize that uh, alligators get big quick, and when they once they hit about the uh, two or three years and they hit that uh, three foot mark. That's generally when we see them in the wild where people are dumping them off because they're just too big. You can't have them in the living room anymore. They don't fit in the kiddie pool. They're, they're too big for the, um, they could live in the, uh, you know, your pool if you have a pool, but once the pool gets cold, good luck with that. And you, you don't want them in the bathtub for too long. So you really can't, really can't keep them for too long. Uh, so when we see them here, in states like uh, Pennsylvania, you know, once it's once it's cold for a while, they're pretty much dead. And you know, you just wonder how many of these get dumped that are never found and die in the wild. Uh, we do. We have uh, occasionally had these stories where we had a girl a few years ago who found one in a lake. I believe that was uh, Minnesota or Wisconsin. She found it dead. Um, but uh, two weeks ago. So I guess that was uh, December 1st. Like I said, pretty rare to see them this time of the year. But uh, December 1st, uh, another alligator was rescued, this time in Massachusetts. So a West Springfield resident sent out a video of an alligator swimming in the Westfield River to 22 News WWLP. A good Samaritan heard about the alligator, and he went out in a kayak and was able to catch it. Uh, again, cold water, cold, uh, you know, kind of slows them down a little bit. They're not as angsty. He called the Massachusetts Environmental Police, who came out to take custody of the alligator. The gator, again, three foot long, just like we normally get. Again, more than likely a dumped pet. So a uh, question in chat is why no crocodiles? Uh, well, generally, 
I probably shouldn't talk about this, but uh, if you go online and want to order an exotic creature like an alligator or a crocodile or a caiman or whatever you want, uh, alligators are pretty plentiful. Uh, when you're going to get a crocodile, you're going to get the, uh, I forget what they're called, but they're, they're, they never get that big. They're pretty small. So people keep those uh, for a pretty long time. Uh, you're not going to get a normal crocodile. Pretty rare to see those for sale because alligators are very, very plentiful. Now, there are live living crocodiles here in the United States, but they're pretty rare and they're not really on, you know, you're not uh, seeing people breeding those or, or selling those, but alligators are a dime a dozen. Granted, you go back uh, about 30 years, 30 or 30 plus years, and they were fighting. They were almost extinct. They were um, severely uh, diminished in their range, and there was a lot of efforts to uh, maintain them and, and help them out. And now they're everywhere. Um, and as a kid, you could you rarely see any of them. As you traveled south, uh, pretty hard to find them in Georgia. You had to go pretty much south Georgia, just north of Florida, to see them. Now you can see them in northern Georgia. You can see them in Atlanta if you're uh, very observant. So they've spread. They're, they're pretty much everywhere now uh, along the coast, especially in the, in the Gulf Coast and East Coast. And, uh, you know, I mentioned southeast Tennessee. Uh, they're, they're moving into the states that uh, – are a little bit more away from the ocean, which is a little scary, but uh, they're they're out there. But yeah, crocodiles a lot harder to get, and you're gonna have those little uh, I forget what they're called. They're like uh, the the baby caimans, and they have the uh, little crocs, but they're very expensive, very hard to get. You can get a nice little alligator for about 150 dollars, and that's unfortunately people are able to order these, or able to go to trade shows, and or able to buy these. And take them home with uh, no knowledge of how to take care of them or what to do. And they look cute. Don't get me wrong. I, I'd love to have a little baby alligator. I think they're pretty cool. But again, they get big fast. And the bigger they get, the harder they are to maintain. Uh, the more they'll, they'll alert. You can't train it. You care what you think. Everyone thinks they can train an animal, a wild animal to be uh, perfectly safe. These are wild animals with millions and millions of years of uh, survival instincts they're going to kick in and they have a heavy diet that gets only heavier as they get bigger um they have needs they have wants and they don't want to sit in your in your spare room or they don't want to sit in your basement they want to move around they want to do stuff um so they'll grow tired of you and eventually you'll grow tired of it getting big and wanting more and more food and more and more space and unfortunately uh, like I said, when they hit about three foot, four foot, that's when people start dumping these things off into the wild. Don't do it. Get somebody. Find somebody. Call somebody. They'll come take it from you. Ugh, it's sad. They're becoming like crocodiles or the, these alligators are becoming like the uh, tigers. There's more tigers in, in captivity than are in the wild. Anyway, let's move to UFO news. And speaking of Pennsylvania – uh, December 4th, we'll go all the way back to December 4th, around 6.30 p.m., a number of residents reported seeing strange lights in the sky. The legendary Kitty K.A. reported that several residents reached out to the station to report seeing a line of lights high up in the sky that evening. So that's a tip for, from you right there. Um, 
line of lights in the sky. We all know what that is. You guys listen to the show. You know that that is once again part of the Starlink satellite system that uh, people are seeing. It is still fooling people. The satellite system has launched over 1,800 suitcase-sized satellites since early 2019. But people are still fooled by what they see in the sky. It's pretty cool, though. If you've not seen it, I've seen uh, – really wasn't very bright to me, but I could tell it was a, the line of lights moved to the sky. It's pretty cool. I guess if it was really bright, it kind of freaked me out too. I, I get it. Uh, so this latest launch included another 48 satellites, the growing constellation of the high-speed satellites or a high-speed internet service. That's a constellation of satellites flying over our skies constantly. Uh, again, despite so many satellites being in the sky and so many launches, people are still confused by what they see in the sky after these launches. Uh, granted, it's just been it's about two and a half years now. Yeah, the sightings have happened all over the world, not just here in the United States. Um, despite them uh, being carried very readily in the media, uh, many people who see them for the first time are understandably overwhelmed or at least a little bit confused. More concerned, I guess, by what they see. Um, and it wasn't just in Pittsburgh uh, either. It was uh, There were reports from North Carolina to Virginia, Kentucky, Ohio, Tennessee, Connecticut, Iowa, as well as Arizona. And, of course, many places in between. So this is a, a widespread sighting. And uh, granted, uh, Starlink satellites can be visible on a train just about anywhere in the world at any time, not just after launches. Uh, residents in uh, Punjab, India, also flocked to social media after spotting a Starlink train in the night sky a few weeks ago. So uh, the interesting thing here is that it's no longer two or three days before the media clears up these sightings. It's pretty much uh, all these reports come in and the, and the media is saying, don't worry, it's just Starlink, uh, which is uh, positive news that at least, uh, you know, these things get cleared up pretty quickly. It's no longer lingering for uh, weeks or days on end. So that's positive, I think. Um, but uh, eventually we got to get the general public to understand what they're seeing. And also concerning the public, they're seeing UFOs uh, with these Starlink satellites. Sometimes they think they're crashing satellites, meteors, or maybe even Santa Claus flying overhead. Um the mass number of satellites has become a concern to other satellite operators who say the Elon Musk-owned SpaceX satellites are posing an ever-increasing risk of collisions to existing satellites in orbit. Uh, wasn't he made man of the year this year, Elon Musk? That's scary. Uh, the Starlink satellites use an autonomous collision avoidance system to help keep the fleet away from other satellites, as well as known debris floating in orbit. Well... Sounds like a great idea on paper. Uh, this also poses a risk since other operators, as well as governments that track objects in orbit, uh, can be caught off guard by the uh, constant course correction actions of the 1,800-plus Starlink satellites. So they're kind of moving at will. Nobody really knows. Uh, sometimes they inform people, but a lot of times these small course corrections just happen, and then it forces everyone else to react after that action so uh, it's pretty dangerous and uh, speaking of dangerous it's a story i didn't cover but this is a big deal uh, back on november 15th russia 
conducted an anti-satellite test where it destroyed one of its own satellites. Sounds like a good idea. Uh, it was a defunct, nearly two-ton surveillance satellite named Cosmos 1408. The missile shattered the satellite into a thousand pieces, creating at least 1,500, I should say thousands of pieces, uh, creating at least 1,500 pieces of trackable pieces of orbital debris. That means that uh, a lot of the other pieces are not trackable. They're too small. Being too small doesn't mean they're not dangerous. Uh, any size piece of orbital debris is uh, potentially you know, deadly to any craft moving through the area, uh, through the debris field, uh, along with hundreds of thousands, again, smaller pieces that are just floating out there. That we, they're too small to even track. Uh, the seven astronauts on the International Space Station uh, were forced to take refuge in their Soyuz and Dragon vehicles docked to the space station as this, the, uh, the station passed through a debris field about every 90 minutes. But it was not revealed if the debris field was the one created by the Russian anti-missile test, or I should say anti-satellite missile test. Uh, on November 30th, NASA decided to cancel a planned spacewalk due to debris risk. Uh, Elon Musk has admitted that his satellite uh, cluster, constellation, whatever I call it, a cluster, because it is a cluster, uh, came close to the debris caused by the Russian test, but were shifted in orbit to reduce the probability of collision with the pieces of debris. Uh, the now increasing number of maneuvers by the Starlink satellites, as well as the new threat of the additional thousands of pieces of the destroyed Russian satellite, have made space an even more dangerous place and now threaten our ability to use space for our technology. We've talked about this here on the show. It's becoming a, uh, a bigger and bigger deal. Uh, I know uh, I got an email from somebody once, and he said, you're overreacting, Brian. Just calm down. This isn't going to happen. Uh, I've mentioned the uh, numerous times the Kessler syndrome, where collisions in orbit will increase the chance of further collisions which could cascade into uh, rendering various orbits around Earth impossible to use for many generations and could also trap us here on the planet and from being able to launch anything into space due to the risk of collision with space debris. So it was that guy who brought that story to my attention and said, you know what, maybe you're right. We better watch what we're doing because uh, it could cause a lot of uh, – a lot of uh, – Issues, you know, we can't have uh, satellites. And granted, I grew up for GPS, but uh, you know, GPS is part of what we do. And uh, and we can't have uh, Starlink satellites in space or anything that can uh, help us with internet or uh, you know, looking at the atmosphere, looking at uh, the ground or anything else. Uh, we're in trouble. We rely on satellites far more than what we we believe in. It's not just for satellite radio. Or internet. Uh, but yeah, the Kessler syndrome is a real deal and it could affect us at, uh, you know, before, before we realize it. And then we're, we're in trouble. No more satellites being launched, no more uh, space telescopes or anything like that. We're stuck here until we can clean it up. And it could be a long time until all that stuff falls back and cleans itself up. Sometimes some of that stuff could stay up there for hundreds of years. Then what do we do? Anyway, uh, let's see. We got one more story here. Here in the United States, Congress is being accused of making a run for it 
with uh, the creation of a new task force called the Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group. Who comes up with this stuff? Uh, that seems to shut out civilians and limit those who are able to look at the reports. And so that's a little bit of concern here. We had a plan, and Congress wants to uh, create their own plan about looking at UAPs or UFOs. Meanwhile, north of the border, yeah, and I mean you, Canada, uh, Motherboard has acquired documents under Canada's Access to Information Act. It seems to uh, point to the fact that the government up there is ignoring potential UFO or UAP sightings. The documents include daily log files from the Canadian Air Defense Sector, which is supposed to monitor air traffic approaching North America under NORAD. Well, they track Santa every year, too, uh, as well as identify what is entering that space. Uh, numerous logs show that there have been anomalous interactions, such as bright lights over commercial jets, strange objects seen during the day, as well as unidentified radar targets that prompted fighter jets to be deployed. And unfortunately, these reports are seemingly never followed up on or are completely redacted. Uh, granted, some of these reports seem to be uh, pretty explainable, such as meteors. Uh, there was a case of red lights uh, seen by pilots that were more than likely uh, warning lights at cell phone towers. Uh, so... Yeah, Canada getting in trouble for ignoring UAP reports. Shame on them. But, uh, you know, we did that for decades here in the United States as well, so we're not one to talk. Um, actually, got one more story for you. Why not? We got time. Let's dip in to the ghost field. This was a really exciting story. Uh, it was a short article, a very short article. One of my news feeds uh, jumped out at me. Normally, the, the ghost when I'm looking at the ghost feed, it's it's about the, the band ghost and ghost guns and just and British pubs that people see ghosts in these British pubs every five minutes because they're drinking. Uh, that's pretty much the majority of the stuff that floats through that uh, news feed. But this one jumped out at me. Uh, so when I began investigating claims of ghosts many, many years ago in the mid-1990s, um, even before that, well, I didn't really believe in this stuff. Uh, pre, uh, pre-internet explorer days, I guess, pre, uh, worldwide web when it was just the internet, uh, there was a lot of viral stuff coming around and, uh, well, there was a big urban legend down in Texas and, uh, you know, there was, uh, of course you can go to the uh, three men and the baby where they had the, uh, that movie starring was it Tom Selleck, Steve Gutenberg and, uh, guy from cheers, Ted Danson. Uh, in the movie, there is a scene where it appears there's a ghost of a boy that's seen in the background. And, you know, when this movie came out, everyone lost it about that. And it took until the Internet really uh, kind of settled down that um, it was probably, I'd say, probably the most viral thing in the 1990s. It actually started in the year 1990. That was one of the first and most viral ghost photographs and probably just general story on the Internet. Everybody was talking about it. Everyone's emailing each other about it. Um, granted, it ended up being a poster that was created as part of the plot of the show uh, for Ted Dance's character that never made it into the show. And so people were fooled and didn't realize it was made on a, a sound studio, not a real house, even though they were saying this boy died in the house. Anyway, 
One ghost story that I remember from those early days was the urban legend of the haunted railroad tracks of San Antonio, Texas. So legend has it that a school bus stalled out on the tracks and was hit by a train killing many children. It's now said that if you sprinkle baby powder on the bumper and then stop on the tracks, your car will be pushed off by these ghostly children. Uh, so after your car is pushed off, you get out and you can see the hands of the children who pushed your car out of the way. That's scary. Uh, it's real. People do see handprints on the on their bumper. Granted, that's because we touch our bumper and we touch our car when we shove the trunk and everything. Uh, sadly, the reason for the San Antonio ghost tracks to be mentioned in the news this year uh, is that a man and a teenager were involved in an accident near the tracks on Shane and Villamain roads. The, men, uh, the man failed to negotiate the turn just after going over the tracks and continued driving straight into the woods, striking a tree, destroying the vehicle. Uh, the 19-year-old female passenger had to be cut out of the vehicle and was rushed to the hospital in critical condition. The 47-year-old driver was charged with intoxication assault, so alcohol was a factor. Uh, sadly, the 19-year-old woman, Jasmine Cassiano, died of her injuries at Brook Army Medical Center, according to the um, Bear County Medical Examiner's Office. Bear County, it's weird. It's one of those names that's it's spelled B-E-X-A-R, but it's Bear. It's like uh, they have a city called San Marcos, but it's spelled M-E-R-C-O-S, but they say Marcus. Weird. Uh, it's a sad tragedy, really, that um, may lead to renewed interest in the urban legend, unfortunately, although uh, it seems like it's never stalled out. No pun intended. Um, it's still one that gets a lot of attention in that part of Texas. Uh, as far as the urban legend is concerned, a school bus uh, – accident actually did occur but it was uh, also on the front of the san antonio express on december 2nd 1938 the problem is the accident actually occurred in salt lake city utah uh, a school bus driver was driving through thick fog of a snowstorm when he slowed the bus as he approached the tracks but uh, nothing was seen and nothing was heard so the driver proceeded to cross the tracks but an 80-car train going 50 miles an hour tore through the side of the bus, killing the driver and 23 students, leaving 15 people injured. Uh, so 15 souls survived. Now, if you've ever been on a school bus or a bus in general, uh, they are supposed to stop at the uh, crossings, the railroad crossings, and this accident is the reason for that. Uh, this set the precedent. This set uh, many laws into effect in many states in the country for school buses and other buses to stop at railroad tracks. Uh, so you can think back to this as the reason why you're stopping. And a lot of people get upset. We don't see anything. We don't hear anything. This is why it happened. Um, but despite uh, this uh, story being discovered in 2003 through archives, there's still scores of people who visit the site in San Antonio through ghost tours, as well as in their personal cars. That's still happening. People still talk about it. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, you know, the passing of, of this you know, young girl um, probably, unfortunately, going to create renewed interest in that as well. So below, uh, we got uh, 
a uh, picture there in the chat room of the tra train track. So there's only a crossing sign. There's no lights. There's no gates. It's a very seldomly used road south uh, southeast San Antonio, but a uh, very sad story indeed. With that, I will bid you good night for this week. And, yes, we will be back next week. We're going to start the top ten paranormal news stories of 2021 very excited for that but for now of course keep your eyes in the skies your ears in the wood the hair standing on the back of your neck and always keep your mind slightly ajar above all else don't stop believing for the paranormal news insider this is dr brian d parsons reporting <laughs>